Welcome to Screen Quest, a podcast where a fellowship of film lovers and armchair movie experts plays film roulette. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Waterman, joined by Will Rotondi. Hey, hey, how's it going? And very special guests, we have Adam Gumbert. Hey, it's me. I'm here to talk about kids stuck in a cave. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the show. I should say welcome back to the show, Adam. Now, you are part of a number of projects, which we'll talk about a little bit later, probably at the end of the show. But um, just top of your head, like what would you say like is your biggest claim to fame on the Internet? If you had to plug one thing right here and now, no pressure. Oh, the only thing I could plug right now would be Respawn Aim Fire. It's a video game podcast because the other podcast I did just had its finale. So that's it right now. That's the biggest thing. That makes it easy then, yeah. You don't have yeah. to pick between your darlings. Not that, so here I thought I was putting you on the hot seat right off the rip, but no, uh, not yet. <laughs> awesome. Well, on today's episode, we are here to talk, as Adam alluded to, about The Rescue, which is a documentary film about the rescue of a Thai soccer team and their coach that happened originally back in 2018. Of course, we will be drawing a side quest, but first, for our opening segment, I thought... We could get to know Adam's, uh, I guess, relationship with film a little bit better. So we talked a little bit back in October about your uh, your relationship with the horror genre. Now I want to uh, broaden that out a little bit and ask you three questions. What is your favorite movie? What's the most recent film that you saw besides this one? I'm going to put that little caveat here. Right. And then what are you looking forward to most for upcoming releases, I should say? All right. Yeah. Like I said, um, it's really difficult asking someone what their favorite movie is because like, what a crazy question. I will say the thing that I'm most interested in, the thing that fascinates me the most and that I love the most is probably Pirates of the Caribbean, specifically two and three. But I'm going to really? say two is my favorite out of those. Uh, yeah. Right, it's really something about you. What, what know, is it right? about Pirates? Well, I love those. All those films, seen them a hundred times. Um, two, especially because again, that's the one I'm talking about. Specific, you know, more indirect. It is probably one of the most beautiful movies I've ever seen, even to this day. Like, again, David Jones. That was 20 years ago. That visual effect, and it still looks phenomenal today. Yeah, all the locations are great. All the physical, like they just had a bunch of pirate ships, and they went out on a bunch of white beaches and filmed movies, and it's crazy. And just if you look at the background of that movie, they the first one came out did very very well and then disney said um hey i think it was gore gore verbinski um mm -hmm. they're like hey do whatever you want here's a here's a blank check do whatever <laughs> you want and that's why two and three are so insane because they literally gave him 100 percent creative freedom to do whatever he wanted with those sequels and i i just love the second one a lot i really do yeah i i think two gets a bad rap um i haven't seen the third one since it came out into theaters admittedly um and uh some of the parts that people didn't like like the weird existential thing i really dug like the, the weird in between land that J they retrieved jack sparrow from mm -hmm. i thought was really cool um but ultimately i wasn't a big fan of like kind of how everything came together and I, I thought it was a little bit of an uneven movie but i think two gets a bad rap no two is great three is three is everyone is quadruple crossing everybody else so that's that's a bit yeah. much but that's like i mean you get the kraken scene you ah, man there's so many like good awesome like the set piece with them in the wheel like there's so many classic awesome set piece again movie 20 years ago and i think it holds up exceptionally well is that where we get like the payoff for like norrington story like elizabeth's fiance 
where he gets we get, to like have his hero moment and stuff. Yeah, he gets the heart and then he runs away with it and then gets to have his redemption at the end of that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so what about um the last movie you saw that wasn't this one? So most recent film that you you watched? I saw Dead Reckoning and IMAX would be the last oh, one I that? saw. I'm really looking Pretty forward good. to that. I liked it. Um I haven't seen a ton of IMAX movies. Movies not in IMAX, which is a weird thing. For them making a big deal about IMAX theaters, it does not go completely top to bottom. It is like 90% filled. But I know that's a thing in like IMAX ratio, like completely fills that screen. It doesn't. Movie's great though, outside of that. Tons of fun. Mission Impossible to me is what I wish James Bond was. Mm. Um, and it's really good. And it I talked about this with you on Twitter the other day, Chris, is that there have been three movies this year so far that have cliffhanger endings. And I think Mission Impossible is the only one that actually nails having a good cliffhanger cliffhanger ending of all of those three films. Yeah, it's on the list to see. I got to get my wife's uncle brought up to speed because he wants to see it, but he hasn't seen really like many of them past two. And I, I think I can stick to like five and six is like pretty much like I can fill him in on the fact that Ethan's married uh, briefly in three. But I don't know how big of a plot point that be in this one. I know there's kind of like cameo and I think it was six where she comes back. Mm. But um. I also, yeah, I'm a big fan of those. Like, I, it's weird how, like, the further that franchise got along, like, the better it got, which is usually not what happens. But yeah, one and two, so, not great. Uh, two, one is good. Two, looking back, is awful. But then, like, four, five, and six are like, oh man, they really figured it out. It's kind of John Wick, same thing. Maybe not like with the awful thing, but like, I feel like those movies got better as they got along as well. Yeah, I agree. All right. Final question for you What are you looking forward to most for upcoming releases? There were a couple options for me here, and who knows if any of these movies are going to come out in the future uh, with all the strikes going on right now. <laughs> but I would love to see Beyond the Spider-Verse next year. That would yeah. be great if that came out next year and I could finally see the conclusion to that trilogy. That would be amazing. Yep, I shamefully have not seen the second one yet, and uh, I love the first one. It's just like the timing just didn't work out well when it was in theaters. So I'm looking forward to it coming to streaming. I'm lamenting already that I didn't get like I have such regrets of not just <laughs> blowing off something important you know, <laughs> to go to go see that. But uh, I heard it was fabulous and the animation looked just brilliant from some of the little clips and stuff that I saw. Thanks for for sharing. We appreciate that. Now we're going to draw a side quest and Adam, you get to be the one to respond to the prompt since you are our guest. So here we go. You can't see, but I am shuffling the cards, shuffling the cards. And. Ooh, all right. So this is one that we have not had yet on the show. It's a brand mm -hmm. new side quest adaptation station. So, Adam, tell us your favorite adaptation. This can be a novel adaptation. It can be a comic book adaptation. TV show, whatever you want. Like, like I would consider the original Mission Impossible film, for example. Like, you, if you wanted to go that route, like I would even say that's you can broaden it out that far. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna have fun and not pick something we've already talked about because those could all be adaptations if I wanted to. Yeah, games but, count uh, too. Video games as well. Oh, well, there's all been right. a couple good ones now. Um, I will say one I really like is Casino Royale, Daniel Craig version. Yeah. Um, of course, you know, Bond, classic book series, all that good stuff. But I really, really, again, we're on the, the topic of spies and stuff. Man, Casino Royale is great. Daniel Craig, I love him as Bond. Every other one of those movies is good. <laughs> you know, it's the 
the odds are good and the evens I don't love so much, but man, Casino Royale really knocked. I'm like, how is this going to work? And uh, it's just like young Bond who's brutal and doesn't really know how to be a spy yet. Mads Mikkelsen's in it before I get think he was really a huge deal. It was one of his, I assume one of his earlier things that, you know, the movie came out 20 years ago or something. Um, yeah, just a really big fan. It's a good movie. There's a lot I of Bond, it. so I, they, you know, I wanted to pick one of them, and I think that was probably the one that <laughs> I liked the most. I grew up with Pierce Brosnan, but I'm like, man, I think Dana Riggs better. Nice. He had a lot of hurdles to overcome. Like, they did a lot to, like, both try to make people feel better about him being James Bond, but also, like, shaking off the expectations of Bond. Like, I remember when they're like, you know, he, he orders the Vesper martini and they're like shaking or stirred. He's like, does it look like a give a shit or whatever he says? Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, there's a lot of like cheeky fun where they played with some of those conventions. But um, I think that's a genuinely amazing, like, action thriller film i just i rewatched all the the uh, daniel craig uh bonds here not too long ago all right well if you're watching this on youtube this might be the first time you're seeing our faces or maybe they disappeared for a while i'm not really sure but um you gotta love technology it's just not been our sunday but <laughs> anyway yeah i just rewatched all the the daniel craig uh james bond films and i absolutely love them um i actually had never seen quantum of solace i skipped it because people didn't like it so much and uh, i thought it was fine you know mm -hmm. it's it wasn't skyfall it wasn't casino royale but it was passable uh specter i thought was um also decent ish and i haven't seen no time to die yet yeah i think i like specter most of more more uh more than most people i really like uh christoph waltz so that helps that movie a lot uh, <laughs> yeah you know there you go Will, how about you? Are you are you a Bond fan, particularly a, a Daniel Craig Bond fan? I love James Bond, uh, for better or worse. Like the stuff that's good about it from the older Bonds or the more recent ones. Um, actually, it's funny. I recently rewatched Casino Royale, probably about two or three months ago, and had forgotten just how much of an ass he is. <laughs> like I knew it was the darker version of Bond uh, from my memory of watching those films before, but I was like, man, he is just he's just a dick and i uh which i necessarily it's not a criticism necessarily it was an interesting take to see like a more ruthless uh bond who was quick his temper was a little quick he would you know he was a little bit more easily manipulated and to watch him sort of progress from that over those that series of films was really cool um I think my only, truthfully, my only complaint about the more recent Bonds with Daniel Craig was the fact that it was so dark and like everybody's life expectancy, regardless of whether you were a main character or not, was not guaranteed. And so I think that in a lot of respects, while that series, that whole, um, I guess, iteration of Bond has stayed true to that, like that overall feeling of like, spy craft is very dark and you can't really trust anybody and you may not make it out in the end i mean that all stayed very much true to form while also being some badass action flicks too to include quantum of solace which was like just straight up a revenge flick uh but casino royale man yeah i liked it a lot because it was so different from what we were used to with bond growing up whether that was pierce brosnan or even as far back as you know the original is sean connery um for all the tropes that it took and, and just sort of did a little tweak to you know where you think you're going to get a car chase and nope surprise he's going to he's going to wreck his car and get captured or you know the stuff where you think he's going to be the one to get out or pull off something and it's somebody else 
outside of the events that intervene and, and help them out indirectly. So um, overall, yeah, still think it's a great film. Um, I vaguely remember reading the book. I would say that the book is probably for what it was at the time was interesting, but I I definitely agree that having adapted it to uh, the screen for current audiences was a great step. So who was in the original? There was an original film Casino Royale as well. It was like more comic, like it was more goofy, right? Like Peter Sellers. Holy shit. Like way back. And it was directed by John Huston as well. Um, wow, well, curiosity is going to get me now at some point. I feel like I have to see what that's all about. David Niven and Peter Sellers. So like the Pink Panther, like if you think yeah. like that, like that's <laughs> wild to me. Um, Compare okay, wow. <laughs> blow my mind. I imagine that's a very different film. <laughs> you would be right. Uh, well, cool. Good pick, Adam. I love it. It's a solid first adaptation station. And now... We will move to our main event, which is going to be talking about the rescue. So um, I will do my best to summarize this. Like normally we run through the summary. I often forget, as you guys know, as the listeners. Um, So this film is a documentary that chronicles the 2018 rescue mission that saved a Thai football team and their coach were trapped in a cave um, due to a sudden downpour monsoon Um, it features uh, a global response but mainly i would say like focuses on um, the british uh, cave divers that they use to essentially figure out a how to like find the children and then b um, how to extract them Uh, so it features sort of like a just natural time progression day by day as you see conditions worsen get better um and then of course culminates in the titular rescue um which involves sedating the children um with a surgeon who happens to also be a hobbyist cave diver and um dragging them what was the final count like three miles six miles 6.2 miles how much 6.2 Mm yeah it's it was a crazy amount of distance like i was just thinking like walking that amount of distance like you know would be hard enough like just with nothing like you know not like hard but it would take a while and then just imagining being in that cave system anyway we'll, we'll get there in a second um so yes um as always i want to start with general impressions adam since you're the guest you get to go first man just general impressions what did you think of the rescue uh, I thought it was pretty cool. It's nice to always see. Uh, I always like documentaries just because, you know, real life events can be fascinating like fiction. Um, and again, it's done pretty well as, um, you know, we get to meet our cast, you know, like the I call them the European Avengers because everybody <laughs> ends up being friends from Europe who are cave diver hobbyist. Um, <laughs> and just like meeting these guys going through day by day, figuring out what's going on, seeing it from like the Thai, like government side, like the Navy SEALs and everybody. And, you know, just walking us through the steps of like this crazy plan. Like I know you had us, you know, asked us for a, an F no counter. Mm, we'll get there. The, we'll get there. Don't spoil. Don't yeah, spoil I'm not it getting yet. there yet. But I will say that the plan that they go with was initially on my list. I'm like, there's no way they would do that. That sounds stupid. Uh, and there we go. And that's the plan. So uh, I think it's <laughs> it's really cool and really interesting. It's nice to see the uh, the background of that, especially focusing on those guys. I think was a good idea to, to like you know make a more human story about these guys we're the only people who can do it and this is how we figured it out i agree i like 
documentaries for the same reason that I um, that Adam mentioned, where you know that sometimes reality is even more strange in some ways than fiction can be, or at least it's definitely on par with some of the ridiculous stuff that we see that gets pulled off. I mean, you mentioned Mission Impossible earlier, and even one of the characters mentions that in the in the documentary too about just what that was like taking this almost seemingly impossible situation and overcoming it. And um, I think the only part of it that I that was a little distracting to me was just understanding how much of it was recreated, you know, because they had to, because they didn't yeah. have footage. Not everybody was walking around with high, you know, HD cameras <laughs> when this was happening. And I know that that's ultimately like in any sort of documentary, that's sort of the risk that you run to. And you're trying to keep it interesting and 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 establish that, you know, tension and be able to recreate so that you know, for the stuff that you didn't have document, like you didn't have footage of, you could, as best you could recreate what it was like for them in that moment. Um, so I think that that's interesting kind of reading about when they went back and took like the original guys and had them fill in and read in and sort of um, act out the steps that they had taken um, to fill in that footage, I thought was interesting. Um, but yeah, overall, i it's an incredible story, and I think they did a really good job for the documentary of portraying that and leading up to the events that took place. So, yeah, definitely. How about you, Chris? Yeah, I, I so I think it's like better than most for like scene recreations because a lot of it blends in really nicely. I did kind of wonder. So, like, I, I know what you're saying when you're like, it's distracting because I, I was trying to like figure out sometimes I'm like, uh, very obvious at points right where like they're using like the digital effects and stuff and then other times i was like wait is this like do they have a crew here like did they not um so I, th I think it's done pretty well um as far as that goes um even though i knew the outcome of it the first time i watched this like i was still like completely soaked with sweat and just going like i felt like something was gonna go wrong like somehow history was gonna like change um because i remember I, I don't know if you guys are do you remember watching the story like as it was unfolding or following it not, not really. as much no yeah. i remember it I happening distinctly. but not like the details yeah yeah this is one of those things that got its hooks into me where like not all that dissimilar to the titan sub wreck unfortunately like where like i just remember like as every day went by like and the stakes got higher like just getting more and more invested in what was happening and yeah. just being absolutely jazzed when they pulled it off um, despite all that, like I still felt like something was going to go wrong when I was watching the documentary, and I think that's like a really it's a credit to how they sort of build the suspense, um, and really portray like the stakes of um of the film. But uh, yeah, I like I have I think this is like a, a really stellar story, and uh, we'll, we'll get to this a little later. But I think it's like it's a great testament to like human spirit and engine ingenuity and um. It was just something that uh, really kind of caught me by surprise when it came out because I like Free Solo, which is another documentary. And that is a bit more uh, along the same veins of like, holy shit, but it's more about like this person's crazy because like they want to be. Whereas like these people are crazy because they kind of have to be, you know, and what they're they're doing. So um, I appreciated that that tonal uh, change and shift there. The next question I have on my list for you all is um what how what was the final counter on your nope list so <laughs> i brought it up <laughs> did you did you keep an official nope list and if so what was your your final counter i was at right at uh, 11 so wow. um 
and I'll go first on this one because I didn't prepare you for this. I want to know what the the most nopiest of nopes was uh, for you. Um, for me, it was like the guy that loses the lifeline, like, and you know, has the kid in tow. Like, I think it'd be one thing to feel like you, like you yourself might die, but then to feel like you might be responsible for like your death and somebody else's. And I think it's the last child, right? Like he's got the final one. Ooh, man. Yeah. I was just like, nah, man, I think that like would crush your spirit um, for sure. So I think that might be my top one, but I had several very close runner ups. So what was your final count, Adam? My final count was four. I also had losing your cable. Uh, Sounds awful. My number one on my uh, F no counter was I'm not claustrophobic. So this might not be so bad. That was literally the first thing I wrote in all of my notes. Cause that the idea of that doesn't actually bother me very much. Um, I'm sure if I was really doing it, of course, but yeah, so I have four, the one for me, the one I kind of already mentioned is that these plans are all an F no. Um, <laughs> some of the plans is wait for four months for the monsoon to stop, <laughs> dig a hole or sedate kids for three hours. And I'm like, all those plans are awful. They must've went with something else. Right. <laughs> it's like, Oh no, they actually went with one of those. <laughs> yeah, um, but number one for me would just be the having to drag a sedated child for three hours. It's like, I don't, I don't know how you, and you do that 12 times. Like that seems, I don't know how you'd like, I, I would get too tired. I'd be too worried about, you know, cause they mention it. They're like, Hey, uh, to the doctor, they're like, you know, you're probably fine, but in case this doesn't work out, like they would take you to jail for like doing this thing that led to these children's death. And it's like, you don't want to go to jail in Thailand. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> that's rough. So yeah, the three hours, like, I hope we don't kill these kids. It's like, that's gotta be the roughest one for me. I was adding to it while we were recapping what was happening because I was like, yeah, I do remember vaguely feeling like that was, yeah, that was pretty rough. So probably around six or seven for me. Um, truthfully, and this is probably going to be branching off of what Adam mentioned about, you know, uh, tranking these children to bring them out of there. But like the part where it was like, all right, we're going to sedate them first at the very end where they were. We're going to take them about, I don't know, halfway, maybe more or less halfway to what was it cave three wherever the other group was where the thai navy seals were at we're going to take or maybe that wasn't that point there was like a midway point between those two locations where they had to then turn around and sedate the children a second time to make sure they would stay knocked out and that part for me was like dude I got to take this big needle and just jam it anywhere in this child's leg. Like when the guy was like, hey, don't worry if you hit bone and they do like a little recreation of like, Hey, we're going to take this needle and shove it into this water bottle. And it's going to be like that. And I'm like, no, <laughs> that is, <laughs> he's like, I was lying through my teeth, you know, <laughs> like, I know. And I'm like, telling yeah. them like, they couldn't mess it up. But that's like, right. That, yeah, that to me, that would have been like the, Strangely, I mean, like the being underwater and being in a tight space for me would feel claustrophobic, um, regardless of whether there is or isn't water, just the tight space alone. But like to have to do that to go, what was it, three or four hours one way, I think, maybe round trip. I can't remember, but it was like a long time to have to crawl through all that and then turn around and go the other way and to make sure that kid's okay and to make sure you don't lose, you know, the lifeline on the way back and to keep the kids buoyed so their faces were like they were upright and their faces were pointed down so there wasn't any like chance the mask was going to slip off or water was going to seep in so yeah 
dude but those needles man i think there's something about that for for me with needles and like leaving it up to people that are not professionals to be able to to jab other people with that and also to hopefully have like the right combination of sedative for the size of the child <laughs> so yeah, yeah that, that that whole thing man was just insane so i'm glad that it worked out i don't know how soon after the fact everybody knew about this because that's that would be my question is when did all of that information come out like oh hey so this is how we really did it just fyi glad it worked out and nobody went to jail <laughs> you know so but yeah that would have to be my pick yeah, I think my note factor is a little higher because like drowning is like <laughs> like my number one fear after heights. Like heights first, drowning second. Um, honestly, like put me in either of those situations and I might <laughs> boost it to the top. But like, um, yeah, I think like there was a few more bits. The claustrophobia, not in and of itself, but it's like the idea, like like footage of the guy worming his way through and like pushing the camera out and like just seeing how tight that squeeze is like imagining that but underwater was like where like your oxygen lines or your like your respirator like all the shit that could get snagged on that i was just like oh fuck no bro absolutely not no way um all right next Real question quick, i have i got oh, something go a little extra i just remember this about the needle thing was one of i, I don't remember if it was a guy who got stuck or, or went the wrong way or not but one of the guys was like, you know, I had to administer this needle to this kid. And he's like, I fumbled with it and it stuck me in the fingers. Like, thank God yeah. it wasn't it wasn't in the syringe because I would have passed yeah. out. We both would have died. It's like, oh boy, that is why. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Talk about dodging uh, one of many bullets that they dodge. Well, did you guys have a part that you found most fascinating, uh, interesting, or like surprising? Like, so something that just like. Yeah, we'll we'll stick with like surprising, I guess. Like that, like anything that like really like surprised you in the documentary. They make it seem, and again, I'm sure it's very difficult. They make it seem like cave diving is the most difficult and the most specific thing in the world. Like the fact that you know we have Navy SEALs, which everyone knows, Navy SEALs are badass. They get things done. Like Navy SEALs get stuck with the kids. Like they go there to get them food and supplies, and like we can't get out. Um, there's the the talk of one of them one of the fatalities is one of the guys passes away because he asphyxiates before he can get back to hell. And that guy was a Navy SEAL. Like it is wild. They're like, these are some of the most highly trained, you know, most impressive people in the world. And it's like, no, nah, it's this it guy and this doctor who do it as a hobby are the only ones who can do it. And again, I know the document, uh, document, uh, doc, what is it? Documentary. Good Lord. Yeah. It's also <laughs> telling us a story. Cause I think like in the truth thing, there was like a hundred divers there all in total or whatever. Like these guys did the the heavy lifting, but there were a lot of divers there, but it's just crazy to me that it's so difficult. Like you wouldn't think it would be, we're like, Oh, like 10 people in the world can do this. And everyone else will either get stuck or die, which is, I think is pretty impressive and pretty scary. Yeah. It just goes to show you like how specialized that is. I think like, um, I, a lot of it seems to come down to like the equipment and then like how to not like panic. Like I think so much of it is like poise and like knowing how to like stay calm and deal with problems when you're so far away from help. But like, I'm guessing, I don't know, like um, it's not brute strength in other words, right? Like those Navy SEALs were like arguably probably in like better shape than these guys. It's just like they have the knowledge and the the sort of finesse, I guess, to to get it done. They do like to point out they take a good five, 10 minutes of it to point out that they're all like, 
they were weird kids growing up. They got bullied. They're all socially awkward. And they're like, they're, they're basically saying they're all emotionally detached. So it's to them, it's like, oh, it's fine that I'm going this hole that anyone else would freak out because like, I don't, I'm not, you know, I don't think like that, I suppose. They try to make it seem like these social weird, you know, like outcasts and like these, these strange weird dudes are like perfect for it because yeah. they don't panic because they're emotionally detached. I don't know what they were trying to say there, but they pointed out all of these guys were weird growing up. Yeah. I, I suppose maybe the point was like that to them, like there's nothing extraordinary about the actual act of going into the cave. Like, whereas like anybody else, like that would be like another barrier. Like to them, it's like just getting the kids out. Right. Like that's the part that like, they're not really used to or trained for the rest of it's just kind of like what they like to do as a hobby. You know, I don't know. Um, how about you, Will? Did you have a part that you found surprising or, um, yeah, surprising, I guess? I think I'm just amazed by how much water can collect in one area. Like, I know that that, I don't know if that sounds weird, but for me, just Mother Nature in general, it's like when you have really bad weather, like we think we have bad weather in certain places, right? But unless you go to like Tornado Alley or you have to deal with a hurricane on the East Coast or dealing with wildfires in person, like until you're like up and in it and you just see how massive that can be. So for like the flooding that takes place here and just how much water they drain and it's like it's not enough. There's still more and there's still more coming. And it's like insane to me to try and think about just the actual size of how much just the volume that you're dealing with with that so i think that to me was very i don't know it because you could hear about these things you can hear like whether it's when this first happened like for those who were like really dialed into the events that were taking place or it's just looking back in hindsight you know it's just it's incredible the logistics to go through to try and overcome something like that so i think that was probably the most the most surprising to me out of all of it uh, yeah, the my final fuck that was when the pump gives out at the end, <laughs> and they're we basically like end of a video <laughs> game, like the final escape part, like where you're having to like the timer's going down and you're just like getting out of the the area. I was just like, nah, dude, like, can you imagine like making it all that time, like, and then like just being like, oh shit, like we now we might die like in this thing because like there's just water coming in at an alarming rate. Um, it's like the end of an Indiana Jones movie, dude. <laughs> you just gotta run. <laughs> yeah, truly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, so I have to kind of like speculate, like, for the first time since obviously, like, I knew kind of all the beats here. I think the thing that kind of surprised me, like, the most the first time was just sort of the weird coincidence of like the surgeon's dad dying like the same day that they get the kids oh, out, yeah. and then like tying that to like like this is gonna claim two lives, and like you know, if you're superstitious or whatever, like. You could argue it's like the Thai Navy SEAL and then that guy's dad are kind of like the two lives that the weird guru kind of like predicted would be tied to it. Um, but yeah, I, I like I, I like found that like really odd because I was like, I don't think anybody else died in this rescue, but like maybe. And then for him to make that call and be like so elated and to get that news, it's just like, oh, what a bummer, dude. Like what an absolute bummer. Yeah, I have a weird note about that in my research I did afterwards because I mean, the guru guy points out that like they're all going to be safe, but there's two people are going to are going to not make it or be sacrificed. I forgot what his exact wording was. And then we lose. Uh, I think San Am is the, the Navy SEAL guy. And mm-hmm. it didn't get mentioned in the documentary. But a year later, one of the rescue divers died of a blood disease that they got while doing the rescue. Oh, oh wow. wow. So 
very strange that he said two people would die during this. And then they, they do the thing with his dad, I think, to make like, you know, an emotional point. But like another person that they don't mention actually died directly caused by this situation. So that's all really, wow. really weird <laughs> and interesting. Yeah, I had no idea, man. I'm glad that uh, you pulled up some some factoids because like I, I looked at some of the stuff around this, obviously, because um, it, it's a very interesting situation. And uh, I, I thought like I misremembered the first time because I was like, surely they like we can talk about the Mustang now. Like, surely they left like like I uh, wouldn't leave this out. Right. Like because it was such a big thing. And it was like, nope, nope. Like there's like a whole like, you know, sole subsection of like articles. And there was some back and forth with one of the cave divers and musk where he called it like a pr stunt so um what was your take on that since you brought it up or kind of touched on it earlier adam like yeah on why they left it out i'm just shocked because again i'm sort of uh i'm sort of like will where i didn't i only knew like this was a thing and then i knew they got out like i wasn't paying attention in the middle and the one of the only things i remember is the elon musk back and forth thing and he's like i'm gonna make a submarine to go save these kids i'm like i guess that sounds like a good idea i don't know um but it's interesting that it, it doesn't come up at all and that's the only thing that i knew from this was that it happened. Elon Musk wanted to help, and then there was a back and forth, and then they were out. So I'm shocked that it never gets referenced. Yeah, perhaps it's because of some of the vitriol and like the fact that like I think it was proven pretty quickly that like it would not have worked. Like it just wasn't like a practical thing for the environment. Um, you know, well, uh, whether or not he was participating in a PR stunt or not, like. Uh, you can make your own opinion on it. I have certainly have thoughts <laughs> based on some of his recent behavior with the purchase of the bird app and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was very, very odd that they didn't talk about it, but perhaps it was one of those things where people involved in the documentary didn't want to talk about it. And then like, if you don't have anyone that's like wanting to go there, then like, it's not really going to be interesting. So you can leave it out. And also like at the end of the day, it's kind of a footnote. It's a weird footnote and like something that doesn't really have any relevance to like what went down um, for the actual rescue. But yeah. How about you, Will? What was your take on that? Do you remember the, the whole Musk like back and forth thing? I actually don't. I would argue that that is sort of the reason why, depending on how much it was, I guess, in the news at the time versus what actually happened. Um, that it it seemed to me like they were they were very much focused on these specific guys for you know with everything else that was going on too they kind of just sort of they wanted to focus on this crew and how they helped deal with the other folks that were there the politics and the different you know um i guess team leaders that they had depending on who was calling the shots at what point and because they they did spend a lot of time talking about like how each of these divers felt and at what point they sort of wanted to walk away if they could because they thought it was hopeless so it was almost like it was like it was as much in some ways about them and their story as it was about the mission that they were sent to do so i think that in that respect trying to keep that focus rather than go off and talk about some of the other side notes um was i guess what you were saying chris that it was sort of it wasn't necessarily as relevant enough to the narrative that they wanted to focus on so that's at least my take on it but yeah i'd be interested to go back and kind of look and see what was pitched it sounds like it was very much that spur of the moment like oh let's just try this and then it kind of faded after maybe a week or two well how many days that we had we had about a week right so or two weeks so maybe for a couple of days that was a thing and then after that 
they were focusing on the next part. I don't know. I can't speak to it, so I, I don't know for sure. But yeah, that would be my gut reaction. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I think like there was just there's a lot of uh, vitriol kind of go back and forth. And my understanding of the criticism of like the thing was that like it, he didn't really understand the conditions of the cave and like what they were dealing with and like it was an all right thought but like not at all practical for like what they were trying to do and uh it started because somebody tweeted at him actually like like a regular like twitter user and was like is there anything you can do to help and he was like sure <laughs> and i want to say it was like a piece of like a spacex craft that they like fashioned into a submarine or something like anyway yeah, at this point he was just spacex and tesla he wasn't a twitter guy yet so it's like oh yeah elon do you have child-sized submarines just hanging around somewhere we can use to save these kids yeah Whatever. <laughs> it was wild i think also the internet largely like regardless of how you feel about the guy probably understood a lot less about like what his limitations were he was maybe a little more revered at that time in terms of being like some engineering like guru genius guy and i think well i mean like in the last like 12 months will probably speak for itself as far as how that's going but um <laughs> yeah so <laughs> next topic that i have for you all is uh you personally let's say you're you're trapped in that cave system and you're given the option to get the sedation or you got to swim out on your own. What what would you choose, and uh, and why? You think you'd be able to swim out with the help, obviously, of like the divers, or would you want to be sedated? So for me, God, if I was a child, sedate me. The problem is that I am not a. They proved it. Like I am not skill diver. I do not have the ability to do that thing. Success, you know, like safely, right? So they should make sense. I'm also a grown man, so I think dragging my uh, question. I don't know. They didn't talk about it in the documentary. I need to Google it. How did they get the coach out? Because the coach got out as well. And that's an adult-sized yeah. man. That's so a, That's a good question. I wonder if they've sedated him. I can they try only, to look it up Yeah, really while I'm talking, because they only talked about the children. They didn't talk about the Navy SEALs, and they didn't talk about the um, the coach. For me, I if I had the ability, I would want to be awake, just because I don't want to be seen as a six-foot-one burden <laughs> to these other men <laughs> trying to drag me out. Um but if I was a child, I'm like, yes, put me under, you, save my life because I don't know what I'm doing and put me at ease and I'll wake up and I'll be safe. But as an adult man, like I, I'm trying to help out whatever the easiest way is. So I think I'd be awake. It looks like he was also sedated. Yes. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Good on him. I, um, I figured he would have like done that meditation that he was talking about using with those kids, man, and just like. <laughs> gotten out that way i mean that's uh, truthfully if if you have enough calm to keep that many kids just mellow or not mellow i should say but like help them help them deal with their emotions with that and meditate while you're waiting out so many days without food in that cave like i figured he would have just been like all right i'm ready but you know what if you have the option and you want to take it then cool <laughs> yeah um tough one for me like i feel like I would want to be responsible if something went wrong. So like my money is, I feel like I, I would, I would invest in the skills of the person that would have to like drag my ass through the cave system. I feel like even though, yes, I would be like a bit of a burden, like physically, I'd be way less of a psychological burden. Like I just like imagine trying to do that. And as you said, I, I don't think most people in the world have the skills to do that. The amount of times you're probably like motioning for help, you would slow them down so much more. I think like trying to fucking swim out. 
So even though it would terrify me, not knowing if I was going to wake up or not, like I, I'm taking the sedation. I think like I think I'm going to be like the coach, just like put me out, bro. And if I see you on the other side, great. If I don't, like I'm going to be unconscious. So you know, at least I'm not going to like be afraid. I guess. Did you did you uh, say what you were going to do, Will, or not? Did I just skip over you? Um, I think indirectly. I but don't apologize. You're good. I um. I think that I probably would not take the sedation. And that's only in hindsight, knowing what that needle was going to look like when they would stab me in the leg. <laughs> but um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think on the one hand, if I'd already made it that long without food and I hadn't gone like crazy, because that's truthfully, I think if anything were to happen, it would have happened before I, they got me out of there. Um, but I would rather... I don't know. I think I would have been weirded out by being knocked out underwater and not knowing if I was going to wake up in my mind. I mean, they would probably have tried to reassure me as much as possible. Like, it's okay. We're going to take care of you, you know, but like, I don't know. So, but then again, I mean, Adam, you make a great point, man. You're like, this is us as adult men thinking about what we would have done back then as children. Like I've been, and thinking about what I was like as a kid at that age. So Gosh, that's a great question. But I think ultimately I'm just going to go with, no, I'd rather stay awake. I'd rather like face my fear about getting out of there if I'd already made it that long without food. So no wrong answers there. I'm just, I'm fascinated to think about like in that like moment. And I wonder like how much of a choice they were, would have really given you. Like uh, ultimately it probably is up to the fucking cave divers. Like, yep. Hey, you want to get out of here? Like, this is what we're, we're, you're getting sedated or whatever, <laughs> but, um, oh man crazy 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 stuff um so a couple more questions and uh and then we can wrap it up but um so watching a documentary like this like always kind of lifts my spirits because i think human beings are like really really capable of amazing feats of ingenuity and sort of uh, not companionship it's not the right word kindness and generosity like all these people like besides like the military government officials are volunteers, including the cave divers, which is just mind blowing, you know, to go to a foreign country, like practically on your own time, like to, to participate in something like this. So, so the question I have is like, just, just seeing something like this, give you like personally, like a hope for humanity, like seeing something like this, like chronicled and documented. Do you think that there's hope for the human race? Um, knowing that like all these different countries can come together and, you know, for, for a cause like this and come out successful because of their cooperation. Say yes. Like just even your day-to-day life. The problem with, I think just humans, you know, in general is that we like to focus on the negative, you know, like a hundred people will say you're great. One person says that you suck and you're like, Oh, well I suck. Um, So like, you know, you see random acts of kindness every day and you see what people can do, you know, if they need to, but then I feel like that is what humans do most of the time, but we just like to focus on the bad thing. So I think just this proves it. Like how many people, I mean, I think they were talking about like thousands of people showed up again from, I was looking at the Wikipedia. They had to break down like what each country and like who they sent and how many people they sent. It's like, Oh man, there was like 20 countries sent over thousands of people to help these kids out. Like they didn't have to, no one needed to. They just chose to do it to help them out. Um, so like, I feel like that's what people normally would do if they had the choice. Um, you know, if the situation arises, I think people will normally do the better thing. Uh, most people it's just we like to focus on the ones who wouldn't so (laughs) 
That's a good point, man. Yeah, sometimes it's where we where we uh, turn our attention, and we're like a lot of people are are um, more geared towards like negative thoughts and all that. So yeah, that's not a bad point. How about you, Will? Did, did something like this like renew your hope or or like give you hope in in the human uh, race and and what we might be capable of if we put aside some of the petty shit? I would think so. I think it's incredible that they all like they made it out. They tried to figure out a problem that seemed impossible and they stuck with it. And whether that was, you know, each other helping each other stay focused on that too, because there were, there were points where they were ready to give up and it was the push from one government or another that was like, no, let's, let's just try this out. Like even the army, like the, was it the American army guy was like, ah, are you sure? <laughs> Is that's that's what you want to do? Because that sounds like a terrible plan. Okay, we're doing it. All right. Well, that's what we're doing, you know, kind of a thing. And um, you know, and for the divers that admit that they were like, they hesitated to. And yet they with an with enough push, with prompting, um, they rose to the occasion, they rose to the challenge, and they succeeded. You know, and it's not to say that we don't have moments of doubt, because everybody has moments of doubt, even about the mundane decisions that we make versus like the extraordinary situations, too. But I think ultimately, to Adam's point, you know, that there are there is a greater capability for good, ultimately, and that we do tend to very much as a, as a culture, we like because it's sensational news, you know, we focus on the negative or we see the, you know, the stuff that goes wrong. Or you can just go to YouTube and video like, you know, car crash video, dash cam stuff, you know, to see like the bad side of what people do or the the crazy stuff that people do. And it's because it's entertainment in some respects for that. But when we actually do like put our minds together and try to accomplish something that seems impossible based on the odds, like, yeah, we can we can be really impressive and ingenuitive. And it gives me hope that at least there is that aspect to us that we won't lose despite all of the, you know, the evidence to the contrary that we might focus on in the news or that we might, you know, look at for sources of entertainment that we can still be very good people. Yeah. It's something like this that like, I think it's like a good reminder sometimes to see like, um, well, here's this like awful, awful situation with impossible odds and like through cooperation and good communication and trust like god the amount of trust like that went into this from like you know everybody from like the parents to like the thai government to um all the different armed forces like is incredible really like you you're really deferring to like the experts and um also just relying on like volunteers to just do like damming up like that water from getting in like you're just hoping that like while you're in there doing all the other shit like that they're taking care of their part like it's it's unbelievable um and it does give me hope like i i you know hope as uh the human race progresses um that stuff like this doesn't always like have to be the result of like a potential tragedy like i'd like to see more of this happen on a global scale like for like a good cause like you know like big picture kind of stuff right like um but yeah i, I that's all i could kind of think like the first time i saw this was like boy like you know uh, ironically i'll like to make the the joke of like you know the human race is like fucked and blah 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 but like it, it i mean like you know unironically like 
it's really something to see like what people are capable of like when they put their minds and hearts to something so okay well i don't have a whole lot more so i wanted to kind of see if you had a like any final thoughts or a uh a final or sorry a favorite part of the documentary like anything that you found particularly like moving or fascinating like whatever the case is so final thoughts and if you have a final part i have the rest of my notes will do you have anything before i just read off the rest of my notes uh sure i could toss out something there um and this is for me not knowing the events of it so from watching it and thinking to myself wow they are foreshadowing that was it saman or sam the ex uh thai navy seal who he was retired, but he came back to help. And I'm like, oh, he's not going to make it, is he? Like, they're they're doing some heavy foreshadowing for this guy. And I don't see him in an interview. And I could assume, but I'm like, is he not going to make it? <laughs> and then when it happened, I was like, damn, okay, yeah, yeah I saw that coming. I guess, I guess that was what they were leaning on. So I think for me, I thought, I thought it was interesting that that was included um in the way that it was you know that it was sort of it was part of that suspense in some ways or the the feeling of of what was happening but they didn't just go ahead and, and mention any of that beforehand and tying it into the religious aspect of of the um and i apologize i should know the name of the guy that they had come in to try and oh no please don't apologize it's um definitely not something uh that I would like remember because it's a very like Taiwanese name, I think. Yeah. But the one uh-huh. who basically had, had said like, you may lose a couple of people that they would, that the children are still alive, but you may lose a couple. And um, yeah. So that to me was probably, that was the most surprising aspect that they didn't, that they still sort of built that suspense beforehand and had that foreshadowing. I think the only other thing that I found interesting was they just sort of drop you right into the event, right? At the beginning. And then they just kind of, when it's done, it's just, we're done. There was no sort of like, I felt like the traditional sort of introduction leading up to the uh, the accident and then sort of wrapping up at the very end. It was just sort of like, we're in it and now we're done and that's it. And I thought, okay, very, very sort of abrupt, more abrupt than I expected, but not necessarily a criticism. So. That is, that's all I got. Yeah, like, right to it, baby. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> here we are. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. How about you, Adam? What are you, uh, what are the thoughts that you have? Yeah. So I've got some things in my notes, but also, yeah. Talking about, uh, I'm Sam, Sam or Sam man. Um, yeah. Whenever they had interviewed his wife and she was talking all in past tense, I was like, Oh no, this isn't going to be good. Is it? Um, so that was, uh, yeah, I'm right, there, right with you on that one. So just again, a couple of random notes I had, um, the minute they started talking about limestone, I was like, oh, wow, that's close to home because there are tons of caves in Kentucky that are all limestone. It's like, yep, that water's going to seep right through and it's going to like, that is what limestone does. So I thought that was interesting. They mentioned that we didn't even get monsoons. We just get all rain and it's bad. Um, I like at the beginning that they set up that these guys all make their own equipment. And it's like, oh man, that's, I, it, it, it builds the idea that these guys are like very specialized, but also like. If you had an action movie, this guy would be like the wild card, right? To be like, oh man, this dude does <laughs> things his own way and he's all crazy. And just dude's just literally at home, like with a like drilling out his plastic pieces for his like his breathing equipment and stuff. I'm like, I don't like that. 
do not put me in a cave for seven hours with this guy with the thing he built at home. <laughs> um, it's really weird. So they did this in the movie. And then again, I did my research afterwards where he's uh, starts to date that one girl and she goes home. And then like that day she gets home. She, she looks at the news. It's like the first day that they're there um, after meeting this dude who like does cave stuff. So in the research I did, he was planning to go there like that next day to like go into that cave because it was before the rain season. So it's like, Oh, it's fine to go in here. So he met this woman. She's from there. She tells him the news the day before he was going to go there anyways, to try to just go through that cave just for fun. Um, which is all a crazy coincidence. That was all over the place. Um, yeah, it's really weird. Right? Like what, what a coincidence that it's like, Oh, Hey, I met this person from here and I was going to go there. And now this thing happened that only I can, I can kind of get through. Um, Again, shout out to everyone else who helped them out. The fact when they show um, everyone getting like the water out, like, of course, they have the guys in the laying all the lines and the pumps and stuff. But they literally just like built a dam and then a bunch of pumps to just move a river in like the first two or three days. They're like, all right, that river needs to not be on top of the cave. Let's move it. And there's just like an empty riverbed. And it's like, yeah, they they took care of it. I think that's pretty wild. Pretty impressive. Um the mixture that they used to sedate the kids. Did you guys pay attention to that? Yeah, it was ketamine yeah. and something else. He gave them Xanax, uh, Xanax to calm yeah. the nerves, which is yeah. a very heavy party drug. Uh, well, it's supposed to be for other things, but people take Xanax for drugs, for drug use. They gave him some, uh, the second or the first needle, Xanax is a pill. First needle is like uh, something that made you not salivate so you wouldn't choke on your own spit while you were passed out. And then they gave him ketamine last. I'm like, what a cocktail (laughs) to knock somebody out for sure. Um, So that was pretty crazy just having that doctor there. Just like, hey, this I don't think this is going to work. This is what we're going to do. And then I do like how they had the one guy when they were like, hey, take the bracelets with them. And the guy's like, this is stupid. None of this matters. None of this stuff is weird or none of this stuff is real to me. No, just take it anyways. It means a lot to the kids. But to see how like spiritual and like how hopeful all the people of uh, the Thai people were. And then you look at, you know, what the monk says and it's like, man, his prediction was right. It's like, you know, I'm not saying I'm converting, but it's pretty interesting, like how that spirituality and stuff like seems to work out for everybody in the end, even though he's like, I don't care. He's like, I'll just take it anyways. And then everything works out. So it's like, I don't know. My faith would feel like it was rewarded if I was one of the parents, you know, oh, I just definitely. Thought- Oh, that was a pretty cool thing that they added in there. They didn't really need to, but I'm like, I like that you you made that point that he didn't believe, but then they did and everything worked out for them. And that guru, man, you know, he's gonna be like riding high on his horse the rest Boy, of his life. Like let me tell you, listen, like don't don't make me make a prediction now. Like don't don't push me. <laughs> like <laughs> you're not gonna like it. <laughs> so don't ask me if you don't want to know. But yeah, I think again, I we saw a bunch of sides. Thought it was pretty neat. That's all my notes. And yeah, just we've already talked to Elon stuff. Probably not a good idea to put it in because he did call one of the guys a, a pedo. But uh, yeah, interesting. They did put it in. specifically. <laughs> it's yeah. probably for the best. We didn't mention that man because everything else was so inspirational. So let's leave that part out. But yeah, that's all of my uh, <laughs> European Avengers. I like that. That's in my notes. Anyways, yeah. they did have a montage. <laughs> of like this guy, this guy and this guy. He's like, I was on a vacation i was jumping oh, yeah. inside of a building and i had to come out and help well, that's pretty funny how they did that yeah. that's awesome yeah awesome yeah i don't have really much to add um from what you guys have already said uh i think you know uh obviously since i selected this i i recommended um it kind of for, for the reason that it did have that more positive slant i i kind of waffled back and forth between choosing this and 9 11 which is like 
one of the most fascinating documentaries I've ever seen. Um, you know, that features like two French brothers who were originally filming like a rookie going through like firefighter training. And it's like the only footage of like inside the buildings, like including when they collapse at one point, which is just wild. Uh, but it felt too, too heavy. So I was like, well, I got Mr. Rogers and um, right, let's, let's see the rescue. Cause I, I, I really enjoyed it so much the first time that I saw it. And uh, I just, I really can't recommend it enough. If you're listening to the podcast that this far and you haven't seen it, like you really, really should watch it. Cause it's, uh, it's pretty incredible, wild stuff. Well, who's ready for a little game let's do that it. I, and really more specifically, Gav Murphy of RKG Video likes to call Keyword Countdown. <laughs> so we're going to play around a Keyword Countdown. As we've said many times, this is a game created by Gav Murphy of RKG Video, who has just put out their first episode of Retry Elden Ring. It's a two-hour premiere. It's an amazing Let's Play already. Lots of laughs. And I can't wait to see how they tackle that game. It looks like it's going to be a literal trilogy of Let's Play. So they're breaking that game into like three big chunks um, that'll likely go until the end of next year, which is like how big that game is. So check out RKG video if you never have. They're a lot of fun. And thank you, Gav, for giving your blessing for us to play this on occasion. All righty. So I'm going to definitely not say the film name, which is like I'm always like tempted to like when I start <laughs> off. Um, for those of you who don't know how keyword countdown works, I am going to give a list of IMDb plot keywords to my two co-hosts here. Um, these are given in order, like more or less, it's a little subjective of least obscure to most obscure and uh, sorry, most obscure to least obscure other way around. So by the end, hopefully it will be an obvious enough clue that they can get the film. The earlier they guess it correctly, the uh, more points they get. So here we go. Film number one. Clue number one. Wall of TV screens. Wall of TV screens. The Matrix. Matrix Revolutions. Nope and nope. Not Aww. a bad guess for the first clue. I thought that was a cool IMDb plot keyword. Clue number two. Binoculars. <laughs> All righty. Clue number three. Body parts. <laughs> saw? Not a bad guess, but it's not Saw. Texas Chainsaw Massacre. <laughs> nope. I feel like I'm not going to get this one just because based on where this is going, but I'm still excited. Clue number four. Making a scene. All right. Clue number five. Friendship. Oh, yeah. Friendship and body parts. That classic movie. <laughs> <laughs> Jurassic Park. <laughs> no, binoculars making a scene. I feel like I thought spy movie and they said friendship and that doesn't. I mean, I guess spies have friends, but I don't know. Right. Clue number six. Murder of protagonist. Seven? Excellent. It's not seven. I'm just throwing a guess out there. Murder of protagonist. Um geez. Uh yeah. I thought I was gonna say something and then I forgot the title of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. 
Clue number seven, Florida, <laughs> which is not shocking for the prior clues <laughs> in a lot of ways. But Florida is your clue number seven. All righty. Clue number eight, ex-convict. Ex-convict. U.S. Marshals. It's not U.S. Marshals. Nice throwback to that film, by the way. All right, it's good, good movie. Yeah, U.S. Marshals. Yeah, what is it? Not the Fugitive. fugitive. Yeah, Yeah. not the Fugitive, because that takes place in Kentucky. The bridge scene does, anyways. Nice. All right, your second to last clue is cocaine use. I mean, obviously, it's Florida, right? Come on. <laughs> Brain breakers? I'm going to recap. Wall of TV screens, binoculars, body parts, making a scene, friendship, murder of protagonist, Florida, ex-convict, cocaine use, and... Uh, Scarface? <laughs> it's Scarface. It is. That's Boys. two points for Will, who gets it in just under the buzzer. Your final clue was going to be Cuban immigrant. Uh, Cuban immigrant. I still wouldn't have got it. There wasn't nice. going to be like... Incest Not a Scarface fan, like, Adam? I've never seen Scarface. <laughs> never have? I'm, it was on TV when I was like five years old. No, like, you can't watch this. I'm like, all right. And I've just never watched it. Oh, man. It's, it's, a, it's a good one. Like, it's one of those movies that's like over the top. So, like... If you're expecting like the Godfather or like Goodfellas, it's not that, but it's just as um, amazing for a different reason for that kind of genre. Dang. Okay. New film. Based on a short story is your first clue. Based on a short story. The Godfather. Blade Runner. Nope. Not Blade nope. Runner. Well, I guess technically, yes. I apologize. Yes, Blade Runner. But also, no. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Okay. Clue number two, cult film. I was gonna say I don't suppose Rocky Horror Picture Show is based on a short story. <laughs> no, that's based on a musical, but <laughs> yeah. Clue number three, paranoia. Hmm. It wouldn't be a cult film. Phone booth. I'm just gonna say phone booth. That's a That's great a guess, choice. but it's not. Yeah. This next clue is a really cool one that I didn't know existed until today for a plot keyword, and that is black and white to color. Well, now I have to say Casino Royale. Great guess. It is not that. Okay, Going to narrow the scope here. It's a big clue. One word title. I say big clue as in like it'll eliminate some guesses as you get them in your head. Yeah. One everything I'm thinking time. of is just not cult yeah. or not based on a short story. <laughs> One of the two. <laughs> All righty. Your next clue. Looking at oneself in the mirror. That Paul Rudd movie. <laughs> is it Memento? <laughs> it is Memento. Oh, Damn. Boy. Well, that is one, two, three, four, five points for Will. I'm impressed that you got it on that, but nice job, man. Uh, your remaining clues were female bartender, 
Haunted by the Past, Reverse Chronology, Anterior Grade Amnesia. I, I love on that. how IMDb classifies a Nolan film as cult classic. <laughs> <laughs> it just said cult film. And it was like, so to give context, and I think that's a fair um, sort of like categories, uh, categorization for that, because that was that movie that like nobody fucking knew who Christopher Nolan was at the time. Yeah, it's real early, right? And you would pass that VHS around like and just blow your friends' minds. Like this is like high school for me. So like I loved loading that out and just being like don't read up on it just watch it like just put this in and watch it and it was always great to like talk to people what they thought how everything kind of fit together so nice job will thanks man was right, it that, his, that, so was it his brother that wrote the was it the screenplay or did he write the short story and short story yeah it was called memento mori okay. and it was about the escape of uh leonard from a mental institution cool Right on. Uh, it's kind of like a prologue, I guess, sort of kind of to the film, maybe, or like, an, you know, just a weird side adaptation. I don't know. So unclear. Cool. Um, so that's seven points for Will, zero for Adam, three films to go, plenty of time to make it up. Absolutely. Next film, first clue male frontal nudity. Always a good one. <laughs> Male frontal nudity. We're getting Sarah Marshall. Nice. Nope. I was gonna say, um, nope. Gone Girl. <laughs> nope. That's more of side dick and Gone Girl, as we established uh, last week. <laughs> what? Uh, didn't realize there were layers to this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who am I to say? I don't know. Maybe they would categorize this. <laughs> Maybe frontal is not the angle so much as just like you, you get the bits. But all right, clue number two. Family portrait. All right. Clue number three. Suit and tie. One of my favorite JT songs. <laughs> right. Mm. You know, this is much tougher than when you guys did the Christmas one, and I nailed all of those within like two. <laughs> awesome yeah i think because you knew there were holiday films too that yeah like, made, i'm trying to figure out if there's a rhyme or reason to these but i don't know if there is there is not a theme today yeah. this was just whatever popped into my brain clue number four road movie road movie planes trains and automobiles not a bad guess but nope as far as I recall, no, <laughs> no candy dong, no Martin dong in that one. Suit and tie, man. All right. Clue number five, sex in an elevator. Okay. Clue number six, gross out comedy. Hmm. I have a feeling it's going to be a movie I haven't seen, but I should know. I was just thinking, it's like, is this National Lampoon? But no, or Vacation. But like, no, there's no elevator sex that I can remember. Hmm. If I say National Lampoon, do you start to change your tune or no? <laughs> yeah, I you can throw it out as a guess, but it's not that one. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think, like, wasn't there like a. What was the Dennis Hopper movie? Where it's like, uh, 
I'm not I'm not gonna remember the title, but it's like the motorcycle guy is back. <laughs> Which doesn't count if I can't say the title, so I I I, I don't know. <laughs> All right. Who number seven? A reference to Godzilla. Oh shit. What? <laughs> That's a keyword. <laughs> yep, it sure is. <laughs> and I was not gonna not include it as well. <laughs> All right. Clue number eight. Brother-in-law slash brother-in-law relationship. Stepbrothers? No, that's not brother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to think, like, what's a gross comedy? But it's the road trip is what's tripping me up. Yeah, right? Like, yeah. how many road trip movies? Are I wouldn't the... categorize this movie as, like, straight, like, just a gross-out comedy. I think there's gross-out comedy moments in it. Mm -hmm. If that's throwing you, but... No, it's the road trip that's throwing me. I'm like, what's yeah. a movie where people run around? All right. For your penultimate clue, here's a big one. Photo album epilogue. Oh, no. A hangover. Yes, it I is. I should have had on the last uh, one. Adam on last is one. on the board with two Get points. It. Nice job. That's right. Zach Alvinash just gets, gets a blowjob in the elevator. I completely forgot about yeah. that. <laughs> your that final clue was las vegas nevada so good job adam two um nice. yep two points i tried to yeah. pick ones that i thought you guys had seen or like maybe reasonably like yeah. you know had enough um pop culture knowledge to get like something in the last like three clues you know the crazy thing that brought me to that because i was like what's a road trip movie and i was thinking of the zag galfanak is Robert Downey Jr. road trip movie, which I can't remember Due the date. name of right now. Due date. Yeah, dude, yeah. And then Zach Galifianakis brought me to Hangover. <laughs> there you go, man. Hey, however you got there, you got there. So yeah. <laughs> seven points for Will, two points for Adam, two films to go, anybody's game. Here we go. Uh, Brother-sister relationship is your first clue for this one. Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Not that doesn't count gives away a plot point <laughs> i know the first clue is always like yeah it's just a fucking hail mary uh clue number two military convoy all right clue number three hiding under a table it's coming it's not the right answer but i'm like X-Men. X-Men has military convoys and brothers and sisters and kids hiding, but it's not an X-Men movie. I can promise you that. It's not. Not a bad guess, though. Yeah. All right. Clue number four. Peanut butter. <laughs> okay. Clue number five. Train <laughs> on fire. Super 8? Mm -mm. Nope, that's a, a good that's a good guess. Train on fire, man! I'm just I know it's not right, but the fugitive. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not the one. Yep. Peanut butter. Who number six? Blindfold. <laughs> Blindfold is your next clue. It's the table one, man. That's what it's getting yeah. me. Like, I feel like I should be able to think of something. Clue number seven, underwater scene. Uh, 
I don't think there's ever been a movie that has an underwater scene and peanut butter in it. So I'm not really sure (laughs) (laughs) what you want me to guess here. Incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) I feel it definitely feels like some kind of like action adventure government conspiracy kids on the run thing. But I I don't know. Maybe not even kids, maybe adult brother and sister, but I don't know. All right. Your next clue disintegration. I know this is also not going to be right, but I'm thinking about that train. So I'm going to go with Back to the Future Part Three. <laughs> you disintegrated Einstein. No, it's not. I know. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Next clue Destroyed City. Oh, man. Killing I wonder <laughs> if you guys haven't seen this or perhaps have forgotten about it. Oh, man. Final clue. Alien invasion. Oh, is this Independence Day? Like, Nope. Oh, I was going to say, like, come on. Oh, my gosh. Mars attacks. <laughs> nope. Was it Battlefield Los Angeles? Nope. <laughs> One more guess, Adam, and then I'll have to reveal the film. You're going to have to reveal it. I have no idea. It is Steven Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Ah, man. Which I was like, (laughs) I need to rewatch this. I haven't seen this in a long time. And I remember being blown away in the movie theaters. This is it's a really good disaster slash alien invasion movie. Never seen it, Adam. No, I've seen that. I just these clues don't remind me of. Yeah. So there's a peanut allergy, I know, with the peanut butter. The train on fire is kind of one of those like visual images kind of thing mm-hmm. of like it just rolls through. Um, the military military convoy is kind of a good early clue if you remember like the son like runs off to like join like the the fight kind of and it's assumed that he's probably gonna die, but he pops back up at the end. The blindfold and underwater scene are like the Tim Robbins cameo with the crazy guy in the cellar. Uh, when there's like the weird little probe thing that's like trying to hunt them down. Of course, disintegration, destroyed city, and alien invasion kind of speak for themselves. So, all right, that's a goose egg for that one. Jeez, yeah, that was was good. Okay, final film. I'm really interested to see which direction you go with this one. That's going to be great. First clue: breaking and entering. Um, there's, just, there's plenty of movies where that happens. Home Alone. Nope. All right. Clue number two. Mousetrap. I'm sure it's not Home Alone. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a trap with a mousetrap. No. Mousetrap. I was going to say All the second clue. <laughs> intentionally there to... Yeah, as a red herring to drive you guys in that direction, but Home Alone two, no, nope. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be funny though. <laughs> Clue number three: punched in the face, punched in the face. Die hard. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Clue yeah. number four, male camaraderie. 
Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, I got nothing. Who <laughs> number five? Disgusting. <laughs> Disgusting is actually the clue. Was it said like that in the film? <laughs> no, that's that's just one of my favorite videos of like the girls doing their little makeup tutorial and the mom bust in where they're like on the webcam and she's like, which one of you didn't flush the toilet after you had a shit? <laughs> Disgusting. And they're like oh totally mortified. They're like, I don't know, like streaming or something. And they're like completely mortified. That uh, is amazing. Uh, now I got to put that as the little audio Easter egg at the end of this episode. That gives me hope for humanity too. So, um, <laughs> um, clue number six: golf course, golf course, Caddyshack. Not bad, but it's not Caddyshack. In cup. Nope. Good guess. Legend of Bagger Vance. <laughs> what are all the golf movies I can think of? Clue number seven. <laughs> tattooing. Tattooing. <laughs> this is kind of a mean movie in the way that I've done these clues. A little bit. All right. Here's a big one. Based on a TV series is your next clue. I'm going to summarize here. Breaking and entering, mousetrap, punched in the face, male camaraderie, disgusting, golf course, tattooing, based on a TV series. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Get, get smart. Nope. Mission Impossible. <laughs> nope. None of that stuff makes sense. Leave the weapon. <laughs> Uh, second to last clue self-inflicted pain wait so the movie's based on TV show not the other way around okay mm. alrighty final and give me clue oh shopping God. cart jackass <laughs> Yep, it is Jackass. Nice. <laughs> Good job, Adam. It all makes sense, but I never would have nice. thought to think of Jackass as a movie. I know. Right? I know. I know. Yeah. That's why I was like, it's all the other previous clues like were like if you've seen it, like it they're good clues. Oh, yeah. They're just... all there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that puts the final score, Will Seven, Adam three. Not a bad showing. Sorry, I know those were a little, like some of those were a little tough. I try to do, you know, a, a mixture of like easy and like and tough and uh, yeah. anywhere in between. So nice job, lads. Yeah, man. Good game, man. Well, thank you. Good, good clues, Chris. Thank you. Um, now comes the time of the show where we will draw our next card. So Perfect. without further ado, <laughs> let's see what we get here. Ah. It is a bullet time. Nice. And if you hold, I believe this is a will pick, but I will confirm. Since we haven't had a bullet time in a while, to remind our audiences what this category is, it is where we will analyze a specific scene in a film and discuss why it is iconic. Uh, oh, it's actually a Chris pick. So... It is going to be the Mrs. Robinson 
scene from The Graduate, specifically the Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me uh, scene. Nice. So it's funny. I think this movie just came up on the podcast recently, um, or maybe it was in conversation. I'm not sure. Uh, talk about movies a lot, both on and off mic, as you guys could probably tell. So I'm very excited. Have you seen The Graduate before, either of you? Nope. I've seen that scene for sure. <laughs> I don't know if that's just through pop culture or not. Um, I think I've seen this movie. You know how like your over-the-air channels used to show movies at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday? I feel like this yep. was one of them because it was definitely edited, but I've definitely seen that scene, so it had to have been on like Fox <laughs> at 4 in the afternoon on a Saturday when I was a kid. So Nice. Great. Well, I'm excited. Yeah. You said oh, yes or you had not, Will. I'm sorry. Oh, no, you're good. Um, I have not. It's one of those classics that's sort of been on my radar and I just never got around to it. So, yeah, looking forward to finally checking this box. Yeah. Brief synopsis and why I picked this is like, um, number one, great soundtrack by Simon and Garfunkel. But I think this is a movie that I appreciate more like on the other side of college um, because the subject matter is essentially that weird listless feeling that you get in your early 20s where like you're skilled enough or maybe educated enough to like pick something to do but you don't quite know like what it is that thing is going to be right and that sort of weird like in between state and uh of course the result of that for our uh main character is that he has an affair with a, an older married woman um but yeah i saw this in high school um and it was like one of those films that really like cemented like, oh, I want to like study film and be into film because it was much older, you know, than like I would expect a film that had such an unconventional way of like telling a story and it grapples with so many great things. And yeah, it's just amazing, 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 amazing movie. So can't wait for for your thoughts on it. And of course, we'll have May back. To watch that, we'll let her know what uh, film we we drew. And like I said, hopefully for, for you all, it'll just be about a week or so off before we're back to your regularly scheduled programming. Continue, please, to uh, send in your film submissions. We'll have a link here on the episode description, as always, both on YouTube and podcast services. If you would like to suggest a film to put into the deck. You can do so. It's a quick little Google form. You can select the topic and then your nomination. You can even choose to be a guest host if you wish. Those will be added into the pile shortly as we're almost approaching kind of my baseline for that, for the number of films I wanted before we threw them into the mix. Um, more on that to come. Until next time, thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. We really do appreciate it. Until next week, we love you. Bye, Bye guys. Bye, Adam. Oh. Adam, no, oh, hold on, huh? Adam. What's going on? Yeah, I, like, plug, plug, please. I'm See sorry, everybody. We gotta go. Yeah, yeah. No. Yeah, uh... no, 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 no. <laughs> Adam, tell, tell us, tell us where we can find you. I almost like just skipped right over that. So, Adam, tell us where we can find you. I know you're good again. Thanks for having me on. Um, in the first place, so that was awesome. Be able to come talk again. Uh, so yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Adam Gumby. I do respawn name fires a video game podcast, and my D and D podcast called Isle of Misfit Rolls just had its season or series finale, excuse me. We've been playing that game, I think, for four years or something like that. Wow. Um, we just had a series finale, and we have another thing coming up next. It's a new system, new story and everything, but there's going to be a little time between us. By the time you hear this, we'll probably still be a couple weeks out. But uh, yeah, we're going to continue that in a new way, I think. I can say it here. It's Pirates. We get to be Pirates oh, yeah. this time. Yeah, believe me, I'm excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I know yeah. that. Uh, clearly. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs>
awesome yeah, man very cool. congratulations cool. if i cut Thanks. this right i will not have done that before the outro so leave it in nobody will ever know (laughs) 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 all right (laughs) for real but thank you for supporting the show and we'll see you next week guys bye bye guys Sherlock by Sherlock or Rebecca G then. And don't forget all the trouble we got into. Why does somebody not know how to flush the toilet after they've had a shit? What do you mean? Well, it was fucking one of you. Disgusting!